Hi, everybody. I'm Dale Sparagi, love and relationship coach and host of this podcast, New Wave Relationships, about all things relationships, relationship to self, others, more than other, couples, singles, breakups, and dating. What's new in relationships and how relationships are changing and evolving, especially post-COVID, post-digital, post Me Too, and sadly to say, post no Roe versus Wade. So we're talking about finding love and losing love, creating lasting love and lifestyle. I'm thinking of this as a forum for relationships. So please, if you have any burning questions, send them in. Or here's something novel. If you'd like some coaching, if you're struggling with something in your relationship and you'd be willing to do the session here so others can benefit, please email me at dale at creativecorecoaching.com. Hello, everybody. This is your co-host and producer, Sunny Hibbets. Don't forget that we post our episodes bi-monthly on the second and fourth Friday of every month on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. For updates on the show, please consider following us on Instagram and Facebook at New Wave Relationships Podcast. In this episode, we will be discussing the multiple forms of relationship styles from a designer relationship lens, including various forms of monogamy and polyamory. What is monogamy and polyamory and designer relationships? Why do we choose or not choose each relationship path? Which path is right for me? What will my family and friends think? Join us now on New Wave Relationships. Okay. Hello. Hello. Here we are. Once again, we've returned. We are back. Episode two. Mm -hmm. Getting into some, um, yeah, some intense content here. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Very complex, very dynamic, very interesting. I feel that. Controversial. How about that word? Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. How are you? Well, I don't know. Like, it's been a weird week. Planets must be doing weird things. I had like a crazy car accident over the weekend and killed a deer which it's you know I've been like grieving the loss of this deer and the damage to my new Tesla <laughs> both together <laughs> it's been rough yeah uh, and 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 we're doing this highly charged topic today so I'm I'm a little like I don't know. I'm a little activated because it's a little triggering what we're talking about today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's just that time. I feel that. I had a long week too. Um, I not like a long week, like it was bad, but like it was fun. I just had like a relationship kind of check in talk that was went, went really well and was like really awesome. But I had like a bunch of feelings before about it of, kind of some attachment issues coming up for me and just, you know, some insecurities about like how I would come across or how I, you know, would integrate the information and, you know, like abandonment stuff before 
even like having the conversation, um, which went well. And that was cool. So I feel you with like relationships in life, relationships in life so that I feel vulnerable. Woe is me. Woe is me. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we, we go so easily into victim, you know, which is like the worst place to be. That's a, that's the worst stance to have because then you feel powerless. You're not, you know, you you have, you feel totally unempowered and um, yeah. And I could feel myself falling into that rut and my nervous system was so, you know, charged that it was hard for me to pull myself out of it. Mm. Um, and, you know, and I have, I had to turn to people for support to do that. So, um, and you know, yeah. And I feel much more regulated now. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 I, the victim stance is a relevant stance. I think, um, actually like actually goes right into what we're talking about, I think, which is interesting. Um, because so we're talking about monogamy, polyamory today and kind of designer relationships, um, which I identify as, you know, ethically non-monogamous, so polyamorous. And Dale, you identify as? I am in a monogamous lot relationship. Lot stands for living apart together. Ooh. More on that. Yeah. And I guess I'm also technically like, um, a solo polyamorous, um, kind of getting to the point of relationship um, or polyamorous relationship anarchy, which is like another place in polyamory. Like there's so many terms, but I just see multiple people and I, I try to treat them well. And I try to, you know, move away from hierarchies the best I can in a hierarchical world um, full of hierarchies. So like you do what you can. Um, but victimhood actually happens in polyamorous dynamics um at least uh it has for me because it's like the there's the experience of jealousy right which is probably going to be talked about throughout this um where jealousy is a very um normal feeling in you know life like if some people don't have it very much some people have it a lot and in polyamory it's something like you kind of have to really integrate and um, sometimes with jealousy in some relationships I've had in polyamory where my needs weren't met, typically that was in a primary relationship. So that was where there were two people who were identifying as like seeing each other more than me. And there was in this relationship, there was a lot of miscommunications, mm-hmm. right? About was it primary? Was it egalitarian? Um, so I give credit to that for sure. I don't think they intended it. Yeah, so just for people and, and including myself, because I'm learning this this lingo too, egalitarian, some of these yeah. terms, what is what does that mean exactly? Yeah, so like I said, primary is where there's two primary partners and there could be a secondary partner or a, a third partner. And um technically in the primary relationship, those people are prioritizing each other more. So it develops a hierarchy. And, you know, some, if there's great communication about that, where like that naturally happens because maybe you have a kid or um, you're quote unquote nesting together, you live together. Yeah. There's going to be some more priority happening for that partner. And so you have a third partner, which you want to integrate into that system, but 
Some people really prefer the primary because it, it works for them like that, right? And um, yeah, they have that third partner. So egalitarian is this version of polyamory different from that where it's non-hierarchical or that's the goal. To me, that's the goal. I don't think it's always possible. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is like, that gets into more, um, polyamorous anarchist, um, political philosophy that by the way, not every polyamorous person is a polyamorous expert. And I identify as a polyamorous novice. So I can't answer that, but I will tell you that I aim. Yeah. So let me see if I can translate it more into my, like my language or like a lay person's. So you're saying that what your goal is, is to create a, a situation where everyone has equal power. There isn't power over anyone, unless, of course, maybe you're agreeing for some particular um, interaction where, but that is an agreement. That's a conscious, you're saying you will have the power now over me, and I'm agreeing to this. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's in, in, in some monogamous relationships, there's assumptions of who has the power. It's never really talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a lot of subterfuge in who's really in charge. And, and there's a lot of giving your power away. And this is all underneath. So, so what you're saying is this is all very consciously spoken about and agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, and there's it's interesting. Um, another little jargon that'll that's a simple one in this is what I'm talking about about how it's all agreed upon, like the togetherness. That's also called since we kind of label like polyamory people label all these different ways and dynamics of interrelationships so that they're very clear about what they're agreeing to, right? So one of those things is also kitchen table polyamory versus parallel polyamory. So some people like myself, I aim for kitchen table. That's what my goal is. That's what I want. Um, You know, I'm really only seeing kind of one person right now open to seeing others. So that's not really happening for me, but um, kitchen table is where everybody is in like the same room discussing these things. So Mm -hmm. you're referencing, you have a relationship with one person they have a relationship with the other, that other person's relationship with you. And then it goes back the other way. So you're, and you're all talking about that. So generally that will keep out the hierarchical stuff if you're all kind of discussing it. Right. But then there's also parallel. So parallel polyamory is where, you know, there's one person, maybe he has two different partners. Those two different partners don't talk to each other. That makes a V-shaped dynamic. And, um, then he, it's kind of his job to manage the relationships between each partner, make sure they're both being communicated about who has boundaries with what, making sure if they so choose to make it, you know, non-hierarchical with that shape or make it hierarchical with the primary practice. So, right. So there's multiple ways of doing it, but yeah, for me in particular, my goal is to have everybody kind of consensually at the same level of, um, you know, um, just communication and the prioritization can sometimes get confused a bit with, um, how much you love somebody, I think. And that's where people get really weird in this. It's like you're in polyamory. You have to break through thinking about 
comparing these people because that's not what polyamory really think polyamorous people think like we think like oh i appreciate this thing about this person and i appreciate this thing about this person they're different yeah, so you're so not even comparing people right comparing people well and i'm also thinking that it creates by doing that by bringing all of this forward and and having these conversations it creates more safety because you know me the, the one of the reasons i'm in a monogamous relationship is coming from a very chaotic childhood for me it's really important to have that that safety in relationship so introducing a third person right away creates for me you know something that doesn't feel safe does that ever um i'm i'm curious more about that um does that feeling about the unsafety does that kind of come from how like the complexity and the the other people around you or does it come like more about you and how you feel about the partner well i don't think it really comes from the partner at all it mm -hmm. really comes from my history and i think you know one of the things with needs in relationship is very often what our core need is what we actually missed what we missed out on so for me you know the consistently having somebody you know show up for me consistently and be there and have my back that's a, that's a core need for me yeah. So, so, um, yeah. And that, that's a reason that's part of the reason, but well, the reason like why you choose that relationship path. And it, and it has been a choice. Both my partner and myself have consciously said, this is what we want. This works for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it's interesting. Cause I, uh, I'm thinking of, you know, that core need you know, it always hits to me that emotional need, you know, being seen, being seen for who you are, you know, and I always like want that with my partners. And at the same time, I want them to meet other needs of mine, right? Um, where in monogamy, um, we were talking about earlier, um, before our Zoom call got messed up, because we've had technical difficulties today, my friends, it, it has been a day. Um, but monogamy actually has monogamy actually has four different types of needs within it that you can work with so that goes to sexual monogamy social monogamy practical monogamy and oop i am blanking i will find it emotional emotional oh of course i forgot that one <laughs> yeah and and so um working emotional with those layers definitely yeah so um for me the emotional one has always been like that really keeps me with somebody like that's what is my lasting factor with a person but also um one reason why i choose polyamory right now is because i'm in kind of a very discovery phase of my life yeah. And um, I'm super wanting to practice boundaries, practice communication, um, you know, learning more about what I like and what I don't like and what my needs are. And it's been really beneficial for me to really kind of 
diversify myself. So yeah, I do want that emotional attunement and I can receive that with my friends and my therapists and stuff like that. And also like, for me, it's okay that like my partner, you know, if, if I have a partner right now, they don't necessarily meet all my needs. It's not even that they don't like, you know, um, like that, that has to be a problem, you know, like that's, that's okay. There's a boundary there. And, you know, I've designed it that way. I've kind of have a design right now, a designer relationship where, you know, like we, we talk about how we feel and stuff, but we're also like practicing like, okay, like we want to take space about that and, you know, not have so much um, attachment involved because, you know, we, we just both don't want that right now. Well, what's interesting about what you're saying is when I think back to myself in my 20s, I was probably doing polyamory, but not consciously. Mm-hmm. Because in my 20s, there, there were lots of romantic partners and I was exploring. So, so what you're saying is you're setting up an environment that's consciously and with awareness, like you're setting yourself up for, for this growing edge in relationships. Mm-hmm. You're learning so much from being able to be in agreement with others to explore. That's kind of fascinating, really. So, so for, for where you're at in your life, so, so this also tells me that these choices are fluid. And they may change depending, like, you know, I'm in my 60s. So maybe, like, for me right now, monogamy is, you know, that's where I want to be now. But in my 20s, if if those options were open to me then, I, I may have, you know, made different choices then. So depending where you are on your life's path mm-hmm. has a lot to do with with these choices as well. Yeah, I've almost felt that the polyamorous lifestyle is like very alchemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that like monogamy can actually be that way too when you choose to really define the bounds of like what is our monogamy? How's our monogamy unique? How do our stories interlay in this? And what meet what needs are we meeting and agreeing to that? Because like we were saying, you know, um our dominant culture of monogamy you know, we just expect it to be a way instead of discussing like, this is how I want my monogamy. Right. And that's why I feel like at this time in my life, you know, after being married for 30 years and then in a long-term relationship that we're able together to choose how, and we're designing our relationship really. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're always in conversation about, about what we're creating, Mm -hmm. like this living apart together, you know, being partners but actually living in in the same space how do you create that and and what comes up around that you know is always we're always growing and evolving because that's a value that's important to both of us yeah yeah totally and um it's what i was yeah going towards is um i find that how you define your you know defining your relationship style and like designing it it helps you have an understanding for what you're feeling Mm. really because um if you don't have an understanding of like your relationship structure and you're both kind of open and seeing other people something like jealousy is going to come up 
And jealousy is a feeling that really gets thrown under the bus um, a lot of the time when I think it's a very like natural feeling. Um, it's, and it, there's different forms of it, right? There's envy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I envy that they are that way and I want to be that way. There's possessive um, jealousy. I want my partner back. I want them for me and only me, which, you know, that's going to be really hard, harder to integrate in a polyamorous situation, you know, where envy's like, oh, it's more about you. And then there's the one, this is the one that if I have jealousy, it's usually about this abandonment jealousy. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at them with that other person. I'm scared they're going to leave me. Oh, wow. Isn't that familiar? Oh, that's my anxious attachment talking again. Oop, boop, 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 boop. Yeah, that's totally mine too. It's like I'm going to get dropped. Yeah. It's, and, it, is, it is definitely about abandonment. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's like super normal. That's like how we come to having these conversations. That's part of our lives is right. working with that abandonment. So yes. um, when you put your relationship in a, when you try to work to understand like, okay, like we're seeing other people, jealousy comes up when you start like learning what these things are and you recognize, Oh, it's actually this particular type of jealousy. Then there's the whole like holding space for jealousy practice that becomes a lot safer, um, Mm -hmm. to, to hold and the whole thing of compersion. Um, and you know, I can go into that if you're, if you're ready for that one. I like that. And, And what I like about that is, is because being in a monogamous relationship, of course, I'm working with that too. I'm working with my abandonment issues and with a loving partner, you know, it is so possible to heal, to heal that. So I am really curious about when you say hold space for jealousy, tell me more, tell me what that looks like. Tell me what that practice is about. Yeah. So, um, basically this is, this is one that I, I feel like I've been ready to practice more, Um, but kind of with my past partnerships, one thing that I have failed, um, in because right there isn't who's talking about this stuff, not a lot of people. Uh, so it's hard to know, but one thing that I've kind of failed in that has led myself to not practice holding space for my own jealousy as well. Um, you know, I'm one that I can, I can generally like keep my feelings like inside myself, like a lot. I can sit with my big feelings a lot. And, um, you know, when it comes to jealousy, I've just like, I'm trying to get my words out to remember this. Um, it's, I have failed in, I have committed to someone before I've trusted them. Mm, That's a big one. Yeah. Committed to them in a polyamorous relationship before I trusted them. And so with that, oh my goodness, when you have jealousy and you don't trust somebody to hold space for you, you are not going to share that. So you hold space for it with yourself and you're just kind of sitting with it and then you kind of slowly let it out. And then they're like, oh, are you like insecure? And then you're like, "I'm, I'm actually not. It's really an abandonment issues thing. And then it just becomes this whole really difficult thing. But with that in mind, um, that's been, you know, in the past and yeah, sure. Like still have that now and then. And learning to trust all the time. Um, but also there's the antidote to that experience for myself, an internal process for me has been the compersion. And that is the having compassion for the other partner 
when those things are happening. And maybe that's not like the best solution for my particular case, because obviously it's has to do with abandonment and like not trusting my partner fully. Um, yeah. But yeah, so, let, so let's slow down because you're saying like so much here. So, so I want to go back to compersion because that's a word that I, I don't even know if I know. I want to go back to that. But I'm also hearing, you know, being, being called insecure, you know, like I, I've been there too. And um, it feels real. It feels like people are misreading that in a lot of ways um, and misunderstanding that. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's like they're they're wanting to take it on for you. Like maybe it's triggering something in them. But I think when people understand that those of us, and I'm including myself here, who have this fear of abandonment and it's in our bodies, we are working with this. So to all of the all of you <laughs> who who may want to call us insecure, just know that it's hard work that we're doing and it's our work. And when we can find someone that loves us enough to help us and take that on, that is a beautiful thing. That is a gorgeous thing. And my partner has done that for me, which is, which has been amazingly he healing. So do not, my friends, do not take on, that label of being insecure when you are feeling jealous. Right. So one thing. Yeah. I wanted to say that now, please go back to the word compersion. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, that was, that was so fun. <laughs> Do not label me as insecure when you have no idea the hard work that I'm doing internally to work with this fear that is in my body. Yeah. And it's interesting because like, you know, the idea of, um, insecurity, like it's, it's just like it, when it comes in these situations where like, you don't have trust yet from like abandonment issues and stuff, you know, like, because it can look like a certain feeling of insecurity, which it's like, you know, calling it insecure, the, the abandonment insecurity, it's like, that kind of just like throws everything like out the window um, instead of actually addressing like, yeah, like, sure. It's almost like they're, they're one of the same, like, you know, it is an insecurity, but it's like, it, it's not at the same time. It's like, this is like a core wound thing that I'm working with. And like, I have full pride in doing that work. Right. Mm -hmm. So when that, when someone kind of in like typically like a polyamorous design, like um, says like, Oh, are you feeling insecure? You're just kind of like, mm, no. And then they're like, oh, but I think you are. And they're like, mm, uh, not exactly. And it becomes like a lot to explain that when it's like, then, then you start thinking, oh, am I? Like, am I insecure? You know? And like, that's like fine. And like, yeah, like I feel that way about something sometimes. Sometimes I don't. Like in yeah. polyamory, sometimes I feel that way. Sometimes I don't. I'm a person. It's always changing. Well, and another thing I think we have to be careful of um, is not to take on a role. So often, you know, those of us that have this fear of abandonment and can be anxious, often we're the ones that are reaching out more. You know, we're reaching out for connection. And very often, and this is a topic for another 
podcast, but very often we end up with partners who or or in relationships with those who are more distancing. And so we become the person that is reaching out all the time and the other person is the one that's retreating. And this can get, um, you know, this can create a really stuck situation. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think it's really important for any, if you're in a monogamous or polyamorous relationship to bring this out, like what, how are we attaching to each other and what are we assuming about each other and what roles are we taking on so that we don't get stuck in these places? Yeah. Yeah, because jealousy is an indicator. It's actually an indicator for where you're at with your abandonment stuff at times. It's also an indicator if you have some stuff to work with possession because things were taken from you when you were younger or doing with envy with how you feel about yourself and others, right? So it's an indicator. Yeah. It's an indicator. Or if we've had betrayal. Mm-hmm. So talk about compersion right. now. How is yeah. that an antidote to yeah. jealousy? Yeah, it's an antidote to jealousy. Um, that's kind of the idea from the designer relationships book we've been talking about. Um, you know, uh, if I have a feeling of jealousy, which actually, right, for me is usually like abandonment related. Um, and, you know, like when I have that, I practice, um, you know, consciously to see, oh, well, what, who is that person really, you know, um, what, what do I appreciate about them? And because mine's from abandonment, jealousy, it's more about me. It's not about like how the person looks. It's not about how they, how they appear. Um, I don't usually have feelings about that, but it's more just appreciating. It's appreciating like their relationship with, um, my partner. Um, and that appreciation brings closeness. And actually there is some neuroscience that does say when you see other people, um, you know, having a, a feeling of love, it makes you feel love as well. So when you choose to go towards that, um, it can be really beneficial, especially because it's like, instead of engaging in the, the insecure thought pattern, right. Or the, whatever form of jealousy you, you are in, you kind of override it immediately with like, Oh wow, this is vulnerable for a second. Oh, I really like their shirt. <laughs> and I, you know, I also look how much fun they're having with my partner. Wow. It, it's, you know, it might not be as natural from like a monogamous like background, maybe, but um, you know, I've practiced it for a while to where like generally I actually feel like compersion before I feel like any type of, you know, feeling about the other. But the most important thing about all this, I really think to my polyamorous friends is like you need to have trust before commitment because if you don't, a lot of these mechanisms are going to kind of backfire mm -hmm. um, and you'll be having compersion kind of alone and like that can work, but there needs to be transparency about the rawness of that feeling and having your partner not judge that and trust you when you tell them, you know, this is what I'm feeling. That's a big deal. Okay. So, so, in a polyamory relationship, I can I can see where that, that idea of compersion would be you're feeling the joy of the person you love, feeling the joy of loving someone else. Mm -hmm. So so and in a monogamous relationship, it's like, you know, I, I feel the joy of like my partner going out and playing tennis and I don't play tennis. 
And I could be like, oh, well, that, you know, I don't want him out there with like a bunch of people playing tennis because I don't play tennis. Or I can be like, wow, I feel how how much he loves that. Yeah. And and be in the joy. So that's really, so I like that word. So compersion is a good antidote. Instead of feeling lack for what we don't have, we feel the joy. Abundance. Abundance. And we feel it that empathy with another for the joy that they're feeling. Totally. Yeah. And that's like the whole idea of how like in polyamory that is misunderstood. It's like, we really are just loving people for different things that they bring to the table in our little kitchen. In our kitchen, we're making a soup and we're all having some of the soup or maybe some people aren't having some of the soup. However you arrange the kitchen, as long as you can essentially enjoy it and we all are loving it, it's a good time. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, what, what determines a good time? I mean, you know, in a monogamous relationship, like there's Stan Katkin's book, which I love called Wired for Love. And he talks about the couple bubble, Mm -hmm. how two people can really lift each other and, and be in a place where you're with someone. You know, you're you're with them. You want them to be happy. You want them to grow. You because it because again, we're back to the compersion thing. Because it's it creates joy for you. Mm-hmm. And when you uplift each other rather than holding on to resentment, rather than arguing from a place of blaming and shaming each other, mm-hmm. it, it it's creates it creates that couple bubble where you can really count on each other. And, and rely on each other. And, and I think that, you know, these kinds of ways of relating, whether really are in both, they're in all relationships. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's right. The, the sexual, emotional, the social, the practical. Um, and I was, yeah. Um, there, those are, those are all like such good needs and, meeting them is great i also think might be time for a good pause So Sunny, you know, we've talked a lot about the the pros of polyamory and the pros of monogamy. What are some of the challenges that you see as a polyamorous person? And is that what we should call you? Yeah, totally. You can call, you can call me that for sure. Thanks for asking. Um, yeah, so um, I definitely think that a challenge is right, like, you know, commitment and trust. And right, that is like generally a relationship thing. But with polyamory, um, part of that would be like, you know, you really got to trust somebody when you're doing things that are complex and alternative. And they're complex and alternative because our cultures, you know, deemed that so. So it's harder to know about, it's, it's harder to live with, it's harder to manage. Um, so trusting that your partners can kind of go with you through these emotions with other people involved 
and, you know, committing to agreements that you guys make, I think it's just like really making sure like, you know, you're practicing like clear communication. And I think that starts with clear communication with yourself. Am I being true to myself? Am I being honest and committing to myself? Do I trust myself? Things like that. I think that's where it starts. And am I taking responsibility for myself, right? Mm -hmm. So more than one person, I would imagine it's really complicated as to whose stuff is what, right? Yep. So figuring that out has to be challenging, I would think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you are dealing with everybody's stuff separately, and then you're dealing dealing with it, interacting and reacting to each other. Mm -hmm. So somebody in the group might have like more of a possessive jealousy while another person has an abandonment jealousy. Imagine those two things together with one person who's just trying to like hang with both of them. That I, you know, that might be a little too specific to my life. Like I've had, right. I've had like V-shaped polyamory dynamics where, you know, to, uh, you know, a friend of mine, like seeing the same person and the lack of communication within that, like caused me like particularly like a lot of pain, um, a lot of, you know, feelings of neglect and, um, you know, being misunderstood and, you know, not being enough or not being loved, not being cared for. Um, and that's like really, really hard. So luckily throughout that, like I've, you know, worked that out with those people. And it's always been clear to me, it was like a miscommunication and like young poly, young poly people, no one's teaching us this stuff. You know, it's all self-taught, you know, just like sexuality and gender. It's all, not, you know, it's self-taught in like how you say these things, you know, how you present yourself um, and like how you live that life. You teach yourself. So, you know, I give, you know, a lot of benefit of the doubt for like those failures in that because I understand it. Like it, it is like really hard to um, do these complex things, but it's also like, yeah, you want to be really considerate and communication is really important. So you got to start with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would, I guess the, that nonviolent communication would be a really good place to start where, where you where you reference the I and like in a monogamous relationship you're not going to point the finger mm-hmm. and blame but you really start with what you're what's coming up for you yeah and that's the same with polyamory um it's it's almost like it's sometimes I my my, my brain kind of flip things around but I, I also think that polyamory can be so similar to monogamy in that way Mm-hmm. Where it's like we are just all practicing like how to be very clear about what we want and receive it when it's available and, you know, leave when it's not for us. And so having a third person there with that, yeah, it makes it a little more complex, you know, uh, with an exponent on the end. But it's also like, you know, it, it can be just as good and it can be fair and it can be well. Um, it's just really prioritizing those um, needs that you said. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you, what do you think the biggest like learnings that you are, that you are um, involved in through this? Like what is, I'm sure it's a lot about yourself, but it must be a lot about other people too. Probably just about relating in general. Well, I think I was kind of getting at it earlier, but um, 
when you practice sitting with your own jealousy and working through it with yourself, and if you cannot like get through it with yourself and you kind of lean on that partner for support and they give that to you, either path with that, you learn way more about your boundaries of feeling and learning vibrationally, you know, like how you feel. That's what I was kind of saying about how it's like an alchemic experience. It's a, it's your life, your relationship becomes an alchemy that you choose to engage with. And you're like, okay, I know that feeling's coming on that God, that does not be a problem. Mm. That is just a passing cloud. Um, right. But, um, the, that you said the, the challenges. Yeah. Well, the challenges and really what you're learning and, and and I'm asking about what you're learning because what I'm hearing you say is about really all relationships. Yeah. And, And, and there's this beauty in, you know, people relating in, in a way that comes from this generative place and comes from self-responsibility and emotional maturity and a willingness to be there for the other when they're going through pain and, and they need support without taking it on as theirs, but just be there. That, that, those are, I mean, that to me is like your learning capacity. Mm-hmm. Learning this great, great capacity. Totally. Yeah. I, that's kind of a huge point of like why I do it and why I challenge myself. It doesn't mean it always feels good. You know, mm-hmm. there's definitely like very vulnerable moments in that where I'm like, oh, I, I really, I'm really scared I'm going to lose this person right now. Um, but then you remind, I'm, I try to remind myself. That like, you know, at least in my process right now, this is more of where I'm at. Um, maybe you're in a different part, but like when I'm about to lose somebody, I I try to come back to, well, I I don't really need them. Like I appreciate them and like I think they're really great, but also like I'm pretty cool and I love myself and um I got some art to do. So like I guess that's okay. Um, and maybe that's not always the healthiest practice, but to me, it also feels like it is like, I don't know. Well, it's that sovereignty, you know, that we all need. And, and, and there is no guarantees, no matter how much people love each other, mm-hmm. that, you know, that people will remain together. Mm-hmm. And I, so, you know, what I'm starting to gather from this conversation is that, that, there isn't a lot of difference between polyamory and monogamy in that it's just a choice that you make, but the actual art, I like that word that you use the art of creating relationship, the alchemy of creating relationship. Yeah. Or the art, both the art of creating relationship is vital to both being, you know, to thrive and, and to, you know, to have something that is healthy and beautiful. Completely. Yeah. I, that's exactly it. I mean, they just look different. Right. And that's love is love. That's the same thing is that you can love people across the board in multiple types of ways, you know, and our our culture just doesn't always get that, but it's remembering that it's true, right? Like I, I appreciate that you said that because 
the, um, the amount of times that, uh, you know, part of that, you know, whether it's challenge or something to be wary of, or part of the practice of doing polyamory is like the social culture around it, um, about how you're viewed and like how, you know, whether it's your family, friends or job, whatever, find, you know, um, hear about that. Like, how are they going to react, you know, because it is not part of this, you know, dominant Christian culture that's in our society, at least in the States, um, you know, and, you know, across the world, but not all across the world, right. There's other cultures that do, you know, have polyamory very openly. And like, that's, that's valid because that is love. Yeah. And this conclusion, you know, is so beautiful because healthy relating is healthy relating, whether you're doing it with three people or five people or one person. Mm-hmm. And, and the power of choice is ours. So the more, the more conscious, the more agreements, the more creative we can be in how we design whatever relationship we're doing, the better it's going to be. Yeah. No, I, I dig that. Um, that's super great. I feel that it's it's nice. It feels feels good. Feels good. That's why I design it. I mean, like that's why I like the designing relationship and sitting yeah. with all that. It you know it's hard, but it feels good. And I guess I want to pass it back to you about kind of the right the the challenges or you know the things you're coming awareness to in monogamy as well. Yeah. I mean, I think they're they're just what you're dealing with. You know, I mean. <laughs> Really, it's it's not any different. It's self it's self responsibility. It's not pointing the finger. It's trust. It's commitment. You know, creating healthy boundaries. Um, it's 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 what relation all it's the elements of all relationships, and they're challenging. And they're especially challenging today because we have more distractions than ever and more that takes us away. So that's real for monogamous people. Yeah. Yeah. For, and for all people, it feels like the power of choice, like saying every day, I'm choosing you, you know, I'm choosing you and I'm, I'm all in and I'm going to, and I'm going to work with, and we're going to work with whatever's coming up for us. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, again and again, which which is not falling into a rut, which is not making assumptions, having things floating around that you're not talking about. Yeah. So it's you know I kind of love where we're 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 wrapping this up and concluding with. You know, love is love. Relationships are relationships. And I think we have a lot to learn about relating in the healthiest ways possible, no matter what kind of dynamic you're in. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like really our end game, yours and mine, are the same. It becomes very human. Yeah. It becomes very human about how can I be kind? And it's not about what I can take from life. It's what I can give to life. And as a spiritual person, you know, like it's seeing the spirit within every person you're with. You're seeing the spirit in, 
you know, um, whatever you call that spirit up to you, but like, you're seeing that within the partner you choose to be with. And you're seeing that across the board with all your partners. And we're so scared to, you know, just fall into that because when you fall into love like that, oh, it's so easy to get lost and just be in that amazingness, you know, and that feels so vulnerable. So when we're allowing ourselves to be kind and practice being kind and, you know, just choosing to like take, like have our space be taken up by like good practices and devoting to it because we see that, that goodness in the people we're seeing, you know, whether it's one person or multiple, it's super fulfilling. Mm. Mm. That's so beautiful. That's definitely like a Ram Dass kind of idea is the, I mean, it's a general like kind of Taoist idea of the, you know, spirit across the board. Like just everybody just has a different base of spirit, you know? Yeah. And it, and it's also about kind of being in within the unity, you know, not being separate. I think there's a longing for that, you know, to be connected, to be in connection and be in connection with many and others and ourselves and how we do that, how we choose to practice that. Finding where you connect with sitting with that separateness that is just kind of part of this condition of humanness, right? Finding where do we connect? How can I connect with that and not have, you know, those attachments that don't fulfill me take away from this, this thing that we have. And that's the art of having, you know, one partner brings you this and another brings you that just like friendships, you know, like friendships bring you some things that your partners don't bring you to, you know, for monogamous take on that. Absolutely. Well, I think we've left no stone unturned. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, Dale. It was lovely. Thank you, Sunny. Thank you for joining us on the New Wave Relationships podcast. If you would like to join the conversation, please email Dale and I questions at sunny.nwrpodcast at gmail.com relating to anything dating and relationships. Please tune in with us every time we upload for more integrative conversations relating to the self and other. If you're interested in Dale Sparagi's relationship coaching, please email her at dale at creativecorecoaching.com for private coaching sessions. Please join us next time for new wave relating and dating.